Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast, powered by Vichimus. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thanks for joining me on another episode of Strategy Mob. Today, I have two very special guests, people I would actually call friends. Can I call you guys my friends? Absolutely. Is that okay? Wouldn't be the first. Wouldn't be the first. <laughs> I have Mr. Will Harris and the oh-so-famous Dan Liska. <laughs> <laughs> the classic I to say oversell. something else, and I, sh- and I just like backed off. I'm like, I didn't say it. <laughs> Santioni knows what you were going to say. <laughs> yeah. that, was a, that was quite the intro. I don't know if it's fit for a podcast or maybe something with a little bit of dimmer lights. And I know. I think we need like a disco ball going. And... No. Coming to the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Straight from Strathroy. You're not actually from Strathroy though, right? No, no, but oh, uh, definitely got some of my sales team from Straff Vegas for sure. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Some good people out there. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Hey big, guys, big we're, on, we're on a podcast. Ages. Just okay, we're on a podcast. Can we bring stop it having, <laughs> stop having, stop having fun? Stop having, stop fun. having fun. Got it, got it. Hey got guys, it, real it. quick, everyone out there that's listening, watching right now, and don't know who you two gentlemen are. Let's start with a quick origin story of who is Will Harris and Dan Liska. All right, Will, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. All right, buddy? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, uh, Jason. Uh, really uh, happy to to be on the show with you and, and Dan, both guys that, um, you know, I really admire in the automotive industry and, and like and consider friends. Um, so my little bit about myself, I've been in the industry for six years, uh, grew up in small town, Ontario, uh, kind of came to the, the big city, the big smoke uh, for university. And uh, got into this thing called sales and marketing, and it just kind of stuck. So I uh, got my start in uh, automotive with, uh, with Kijiji and uh, did some time with uh, Hearst Auto, started the dealer group channel with, uh, with Kijiji, uh, was, uh, was their head of sales for a bit, and uh, now I'm at Rapid RTC, um, and I'm heading up OEM and uh, national accounts on the biz dev side. So um, Six years of uh, six years of being in the industry, connecting with great folks such as yourself, and really just trying to trying to help dealers, whether that's at the you know at the single point retail level or at the dealer group level or at the OEM level. That's what I'm all about is just trying to help. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. All right, Dan. No worries. You're up, buddy. What is the origin story that is Dan Liska? God, the origin story. You know what? If you wanted to ask about my sales origin story, you'd you'd literally have to go back to probably about grade three, where I started to download those Pokemon video games onto a floppy disk, and uh, give give me twenty bucks, and you don't got to buy a Game Boy or anything like that. And I think that was probably the first sale I made. I think the principal ended up calling my parents for that. So you know that that's kind of the origin story, but. Uh, no, on, on, on a more serious note, I've been doing digital sales for about the past 15 years. Um, started my first uh, company when I was about 14 building computers. And that was sort of where I fell into the nerdy digital side of things. Um, and then from there, I, I really fell heavy in love with the sales and marketing once I got into college. And so that's where I was uh, uh, privileged enough to be part of a, a program called the Ontario Colleges Marketing Competition. Um, ended up winning a couple sales events there and just totally fell in love with inside sales. Um, just for anyone that doesn't know inside sales, it's, it's all the same fundamentals as outside sales, but we're using technology, these webcams, cell phones, all that stuff to get the sales done. 
And so that's really what I've been doing for the past about 14 years is building out and growing high velocity inside sales teams. Um, and, and that's really why I came to the auto industry about three years ago with, uh, uh, with Marty Meadows and, and Mobiles. Um, right now I'm director of sales with Auto Verify. Uh, we got about 750 clients in Canada right now, and, and we just really help them to drive up their, um, drive up their digital sales, uh, reduce the cost, and improve their customer experience. So, yeah, that's, that's really what I'm bringing to the table here. Well, guys, and this is one of the reasons I actually kind of wanted to bring both of you guys to the table. Um, you know, look, our, our world has fundamentally changed. Like, I mean, I, I don't think anybody is actually going to disagree with that statement. They may disagree with some of the other stuff we have to say during this podcast, but I think that's probably the one thing that they that nobody's actually going to disagree with. Um, what I want to do, though, is I want to kind of take the direction of, of our conversation today towards what that new norm is going to look like. Um, right now, I think it is what it is. Uh, we're on lockdown. We're at home. I find dealerships are kind of falling into one of three categories. You know, either they have closed their door temporary for a few weeks, you know, or they are going to uh, minimal hours or they're going to appointment only. Now, it seems like there tends to be a variation of how we're operating right now, but I think that's ultimately going to change here when we get to this new norm. But during this new norm, I think that's what, you know, that's when things really kind of change. And, you know, Dan, for yourself, coming from a lead generation, a lead generating um, company, and then we'll for you on the lead response side, all right, I kind of want to get both of you guys' thoughts as far as what you guys think this new norm is going to look like. Uh, Will, I'm going to go ahead and start with you on this. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, Jason, it's super topical, right? And it's something that on a daily basis we're talking about and, and uh, experiencing. I think that it is... Um, you know, if if I was to look at the silver lining of this, it's for those dealerships that have already fully embraced digital, um, this won't be that big of a transition in terms of how they're handling leads and engaging customers from from their dealer website or from tier one or tier two. Um, I think that it is going to be a um, you know unfortunate and harsh wake up call for a lot of dealers that haven't embraced digital because this is the way that the industry has been trending, right? People have been wanting to do their research, do their searching, do their talking online, and then very minimally visit the dealership and be able to purchase that vehicle. Um, you know, uh, is our current state maybe expediting that, um, expediting that? Um, I think that it is. And dealers that have already embraced this, and we're talking a process that you know, has been in, that has been slowly evolving. And it, for some dealerships and dealer groups, it's happening quicker and, and OEMs, but this is a process that has been happening for the last, let's call it 10 years. Right. Um, so there's some dealers that are now, uh, and I'm, and I'm seeing it and, and I'm just trying as a, as a partner, I'm trying to help as, as, as best as I can to help them understand that, Hey, people, are going to be having these conversations. They're going to be the sales cycle is going to be drawn out, but you still have to be relevant online, and you still have to engage those customers. But the new norm isn't really that much different in terms of the the online digital aspect as what we should have been doing already. If that makes sense, of course it's different. Well, I think that's the kicker, right? Is that it's what we should have already been doing. Bingo. Um, that been doing is kind of the keyword, right? You know, 
I hate to say it, but we, you know, we kind of fundamentally have struggled just to execute the, you know, the baseline of what a sales process looks like. You know, now yeah. we're now we're going to say that within, you know, two weeks or two months or whenever the hell we actually get back and there's some normalcy is that now we're going to have to execute kind of this this new level of expectation, right? Which and I, honestly, man, I don't, I don't know. Like honestly, I, you know, I mean, I, I know from the lead response side, like you know, I don't think you guys. I guess actually, here's a good question. From the lead response side, do you see um, anything changing as far as when we kind of get back to that new norm? I, absolutely. Um, I think that it goes back to that old adage that there's no bad leads, right? We'll go through this period um, of... Uh, of potentially, a, you know, and again, we're still analyzing the data to see if there has actually been a, a drop in leads and if it's significant. But I mean, um, certainly more of a watchful eye is happening right now in terms of every lead that comes in, you want to maximize on that. But again, I, I look at it and I say, well, the good operators are already doing that. They're trying to maximize every lead. So in the new norm, when things return to normal, I think that there's, again, you know, there's uh, the Glengarry uh, Glenn Ross kind of analogy that there is no bad leads. And I think that that's how it should be looked at anyways, right? Like you should be maximizing every single lead. I look at it when one of those digital leads um, comes into your um, CRM or your ILM or comes into your mailbox, why are we treating them any differently than if they walk through your front door? And I think that that realization is going to start to dawn on a lot of people that haven't already adopted it um, come the new, come the new norm. And it, and it has to be because that's how people want to transact. And this period that we're going through um, will kind of force that to be the norm. And, um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll look at it uh, from dealing with dealer groups. You know, you have a conversation with dealer group that's generating, I don't know, let's call it over 10,000 leads a month. And, you know, they're okay with leakage. They're okay with 7% leaking through the pipes that aren't getting a response. Well, you know, would you take that 7% right now? You probably would, right? Uh, well, actually, I think right now I would take every single thing that I possibly could. Exactly. So, you know, with that kind of the, and, and again, I go through these training. I sit through a ton of trainings with uh, OEM clients where we're going to dealership to dealership. And there's still this mentality of it's an e-lead. I don't know, like my, uh, my customers are going to come back to me. And I don't know if I have time to respond to an e-lead. And you're kind of just sitting there and I'm like, um, uh, okay, you guys are like a premium <laughs> no. brand. And like somebody's asking about a, you know, a $120,000 car and, you know, um, you might get back to them. And uh, you know what, you're, you'll suggest for them to come into the dealership when you're, um, when you're available next week. It's not how it works. That's not how the consumer no, I, works. I, like, I, I think right? the e-lead the, the e is actually probably going to be the new normal lead. I mean, at least that that's my thought and opinion. I mean, you know, I think it's always kind of been the case. I mean, I don't know why dealerships haven't embraced that enough to understand that it's, they get probably more e-leads than they actually get physical traffic walking into their dealership. Absolutely. But I mean, moving forward, if it, if it wasn't obvious before, it's going to be incredibly obvious now. And, and Dan, actually, I think that's a good segue kind of into what you think that new norm is going to look like. You know, do you believe that the new norm is going to be e-leads over Ford traffic, which in the past it wasn't the case. It was always Ford traffic was more important than e-leads. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any way 
for any business right now to be either surviving or thriving without digital being the number one foundation of their strategy. It's, it's not just an option anymore. And I think like you guys were, were saying before, the, the dealers that have already done this, they're like, you know what? Yeah, we've got to make some changes, but we're in pretty good shape. Yeah. The dealers that haven't been doing this, you know, respectfully, it's probably not so much a new world as it is just a catalyst, the fire that's lit under our ass that, okay, now is the time. Now is the time. Because if there's one thing that I always, always truly believe, it's that you look at the past to predict the future. And totally. when we look at recessions and periods of economic discord before, you can always kind of separate all the different businesses into a couple different buckets. You know, just like poker, we got our folders, we got our holders, we got our betters, right? And let's take rest in betters. peace, Kenny G. Yeah, no kidding. I know that. <laughs> Kenny, I was, was going to ask. Was was that like uh, was that timing perfectly? Like, hey, Kenny G, cheers to you. Sorry to interrupt, Danny. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's it's good stuff. Um, but I mean, I, I think every dealer out here knows exactly what we're talking about when we say the folders, the holders and the betters. And, and even then we got to take the betters and let's separate it into, you know, some nice conservative reactive bets and let's separate it into some big, big bets. Um, and I think what we're seeing, at least from what I'm seeing from my vantage point across the industry, is a ton of creativity coming from dealers on what these bets look like. And anyone who's holding or folding you might be holding or folding for, for another couple months. And, and then we start to go to the small bet and then the big bet, because what I'm seeing is it's the same sales process. It's, you know, we talked about Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. It was the same sales process back then. Attention, interest, decision, action. Now we got the same exact sales process happening. It's just happening in a different place. It's happening digital. It's happening on their mobile phones. It's happening on your website. You're getting compared to, how their Amazon, how their last Amazon buying experience was, not the dealership physically down the road anymore, right? And so, you know, we, we come back to some some other old school stuff. Winston Churchill strategy versus tactics. I don't know that the strategy of digital is changing. I know that the tactics of digital are changing right now. And if every single dealer is not pivoting to cell phone based strategies video-based strategies, either pre-recorded or live video, um, e-lead capture, not, not just you know your grandmother's leads from five years ago, super leads, super leads that are going to actually allow you to move that customer from number one, trust, and then on to the next subject, trade, and then on to the next subject, credit, and then on to the next subject, payments, and on to the next subject, insurance, and on to the next subject, test drive. We need to be prepared to move that customer along that digital sales process sitting from home now. And unless your sales reps are set up to be able to conduct a transaction in their digital dealership, we're already getting left behind by the dealers that have been provisioning for this for the past six months, two years. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. In fact, actually, I, I want to focus real quick because you said digital dealership and, you know, I remember when my dealership first got their first website. I think it was 2001, maybe 2002, maybe 2002. Um, and at that point, they actually thought that this was a digital version of their brick and mortar. Now, at some point in time over the years, 
All right. The website for dealerships kind of turned into just kind of a glorified brochure. Like they're just like, they're almost like I have my, I have my brick and mortar and then, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I got this like thing online, you know, where like people can fill out forms and like stuff like that, you know, like there was a total separation as far as just the way we approached both businesses as like, you know, this digital business was here just to serve my brick and mortar business. Now, I believe that in the new norm, that's going to be a fundamental shift that it is actually the brick and mortar business is now here to only serve our digital business. And I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts and opinions on that. Um, I will go ahead and start with you, Will. Yeah, I think that uh, that's absolutely in, in order. I mean, look at how we transact on a daily basis with, with sites like Amazon. There's no storefront. Right, we're constantly uh, buying, and uh, I know that I receive my fair share of packages every single day here. Uh, maybe I'm not ordering all of them, but um, it's certainly um, that's the um, that's the expectation of the consumer, right? The expectation of the consumer is, hey, I'm going to be online, I'm going to do my research for this product, and then I'm going to go to a portal and be able to purchase that and be able to get that into my door um, the next day. Um, what are the only two industries that you can't really do that today? No, it's a perfect point. I mean, really, automotive, we're, 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 right? like that's it. Yeah, and yeah, everybody else held on to information, right? Like we've been the gatekeepers, you know. For some reason, like I, I know over the years, some dealerships have done a better job of, you know, um, just being more open about the information, you know, for when sure. it comes to purchasing a vehicle or leasing a vehicle, and but. But now it's kind of like we, we can't control it. We, we can no longer be the gatekeepers of this information, it, right? We, we literally need to no. be the access point. But that's going to be a fundamental shift for a lot of people. It, and and, it and is. I want to get your thoughts on this before I go any farther because I, sure. I want to get your thoughts on how the uh, digital business is now going to be the primary business. And the brick and mortar is really going to be the one that's going to be serving that digital business. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about that, Dan? Well, um, I mean, especially as it applies today, I mean, heck, even before the COVID crisis, I don't think anyone would, uh, would have disagreed with the fact that that's where the puck's going, you know? Um, but like we talked about with the COVID crisis, obviously we got a fire under everyone's ass. And I think that begs the question, everyone's feeling challenged. Everyone's feeling pressure. Everyone's feeling uncertainty. I don't mean to be cheesy about turning the challenge into an opportunity, but there, there, there's a reason that we've talked about every challenge being an opportunity. And like we look at upticks in data, one of the first upticks that just about every single website manager is probably able to see right now is they're seeing an uptick in their web traffic, right? And what is that? That's the opportunity. And you look at some other dealers that are really, really getting creative about this out there. You got like, uh, you know, the Cot Auto Group out on the out on the uh, West Coast there. I think you had them on for a podcast the yeah, other day. John and his boys are very cool people. Yeah, John, Jordan, Brandon, great guys out there. They got a real good sales team too. Um, and, you know, what, what they're doing, like they're just super creative. They do the basics very, very, very well. And they're, they're going with this whole skip the dealer program. It's nicely laid out on their homepage. You can see exactly everything um, that you would need to do from a home shopper that's kind of under lockdown. Um, and even over here on, you know, kind of the Golden Horseshoe region, maybe a little bit north, but the Drive Muskoka group, like Jason Armstrong stores, Jeff Green, if you know them. Um, 
check check out their home pages right on the front home page you got a very clear step by step process of how they're going to actually do the essential service on your car a crystal clear step-by-step -step process of how their digital dealership is going to serve you. And, uh, you know, those are just two leading edge groups that are truly putting the brick and mortar dealership secondary to their digital dealership. And then the only question becomes, what are my tactics to make the digital dealership work? And, and will they maintain it? Because I think right now yeah. they're, they're doing it because they have to, right? The, the, the question is, is that, you know, when things start to get a little normal, will they continue to do it or will they go back to this older gatekeeper of the process, you know, and forcing someone to have to interact and engage and purchase and service and buy parts from us the way that we define, not the way the customer wants to do so. Uh, you mentioned something that I want to kind of elaborate on a little bit is communication, right? It's like, you know, the, these dealers that you mentioned are doing an amazing job of communicating, all right, what that process is going to be. Now, Will, this is a question for you. I'm going to kind of tee this up for you. Is for sure. in our lead response, you know, because you guys are using, I mean, you, you work with one of the largest lead response tools in Canada. Is that true? Can I say that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. We're it on. is, right? Is, yeah, is it we North would America? Be Can I say North America? Uh, I think North America might be a bit of a stretch because we don't have uh, a huge footprint in the U.S. Um, right, we'll just say the largest lead response um, in Canada and the U.S. Canada for sure. Okay, yep. so with that said, right? Um, I look. I've worked in rapid response for many, many years, right? And there's a great place for you know for all the templates and the way that I want to uh, standardize my communication efforts to a potential customer, right? Are you going to be reaching out or is your team going to be reaching out to dealerships and how to kind of modify those communication efforts to kind of what uh, Dan was talking about of really defining what that process is going to be when someone comes into the dealership? Yeah, absolutely. Especially given this, um, given the current crisis with the COVID-19 crisis, it's been something that, you know, since this kind of broke, I thought, okay, this is a great opportunity for us to be able to help dealers and help them understand how to get those responses out and how to kind of frame that conversation and, and how to um, guide them um, in terms of, in terms of response. Um, it's something that I've been working closely with on our marketing team. Uh, with in terms of, hey, it's a great opportunity to at least set the framework, right? Like that's what Rapid's all about um, in terms of lead response is that we set the framework for the response. At the end of the day, the customer does not want a templated, you know, canned response. What gets customers through the door and gets a response from them is customizing that message to them, right? So Rapid can build and what we're in the process of doing is helping our dealers kind of at least give them a framework to work within, right? So that they have that template because we're in uncharted waters and um, you know we also have the uh, expertise and the data to be able to understand what gets a customer response. So if I do X, Y, and Z in that email template and in that email response, what happens? So we are able to see that and able to uh, translate that to best practices and, and different templates that we can do. So we're certainly, we're looking at that, that hard right now and uh, how we can, how we can help our dealers. But at the end of the day, you know, um, I imagine that data is going to change, right? I mean, like that's like, it, it's like we, we had this kind of uh, playbook and I don't know about you guys, and and you can totally disagree with me here, okay? But but I feel like the playbook almost needs to be thrown out 
And we have to rewrite probably a good 50 to 60% of the playbook when it comes to the operations of a dealership on the sales side, service side, parts side. What do you, I mean, how, how do you guys feel about oh, that? Is this, is this a modification or is this like a full on like rewrite? What, what do you guys think? So what I, what I've seen, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in, on, uh, in here on what I've seen is that the elements of the deal are still the same, but the order is completely changed. And when you look at how we used to put together a deal in the showroom, typically it's credit last. You know, and, and we go through the truck. Oh, I want to buy this $50,000 truck. Oh, but then I can't afford it. We got to sit in front of the F&I manager and have the bad news broke to us, you know? So it's it's really credit last. We, we got to start thinking about uh, if I'm a dealership, what are my toll gates of that sales process? What toll does the customer have to pay to prove that they are in that next qualified stage of the sales process? And that's where if there's one very, very small change that I, I'd be you know, recommending every digital dealership is making right now, it's credit first. Because that's where, that's where the, the deal ends up kind of falling apart. So if you can make sure that that customer is holding that golden ticket to come down to your lot and pick out whatever they want, as long as they're in that approved range, well, everything else becomes secondary, the insurance, the trust, the trade, the payments, the budget, all that fun stuff. So, but, that, but that's just my opinion on it. Now, I actually think that's kind of funny because um, <laughs> I remember this when I first moved to Canada. Uh, I first moved to Canada, I was uh, uh, doing some consulting work for a Ford dealership, mm -hmm. right? And I was there on Saturday. Um, they were uh, super busy and uh, not enough uh, salespeople to support uh, the customers that were there in the at the lot, right? And I said, hey, look, I'll, I'll help out. Let me just entertain some people while, you know, the other salespeople are doing their thing, right? And I, I, grabbed, I grabbed a customer and they were interested in a Lincoln Navigator. I was like, oh, great. That's an awesome truck. You know, let me, let me show you a little bit about it. And then walked them over to a desk and filled out a credit application. Then I went and handed that credit application to the sales manager and said, hey, this customer wants to go on a test drive. Here's your credit application. Can you run that while we're out? And that sales manager looked at me cross-eyed and goes, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? I'm like, what do you mean? What are you supposed to do with that? I mean, he wants to buy an $80,000 truck. Like, I don't know if this, I, I, I don't personally know this person. Do you? Like, I don't know if he can finance a hot dog for crying out loud. And, and it, it, I, I found that that's kind of a Canadian thing. Like we, we've never kind of been kind of a credit first kind of, you right. know, culture. I, I, is that, again, I'm an American, so, you know, you guys can beat me up on this, but is that true? Is this, is this, is that kind of a Canadian logic? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's Canadian because I don't know enough about the differences between, you know, Canadians and, and Americans other than the sports that we're interested in and how a fish out of water I feel when I start to talk about football. But here's what I do know. Consumers are uncertain. And that is where most of their uncertainty comes from. And most of their feelings of embarrassment comes from that. I don't want to sit in front of that good looking F&I manager and get told I'm too poor. <laughs> That's just. Across uh, both countries, though. Yeah, right. And so that's why I, I don't know that it's geography dictating that behavior. I believe that it's just human psychology and consumer behavior dictating that. Guys, can I throw something out there? 100% you can. Are we overthinking this? Please share. Yeah, like, what do you think about it, that? I'm just thinking of, you know, in terms of in terms of process and and the conversation that we're having is that aren't we like really just reinforcing the fundamentals of being a, a good person and a good salesperson, right? Like giving them the information, being transparent, getting back to them in a timely fashion. Um I just 
sometimes I, I just go I, back I to those. I, I I go back to those basics, and I and I and it's I, I, sorry. I just I had to call it out I, it, because we we think about this, and you know your head starts exploding, and dealers' heads start exploding when you talk about digital retailing and oh you know uh, online dealership. It's like guys, like think about the sales process that you've invested in, in your dealership. And the, what the core fundamentals of a good salesperson is, the same goes for this digital transformation that we're going through. So why don't we just do it? Like, but if, but if back case, to get if back to the, the case, basis, right? if it was the same transformation, then they would have already done it. Yeah, yeah you know, and that's where I, I truly, truly uh, want to jump in on that. That I really think that is exactly what we're talking about when we say, you know, the strategy hasn't changed. That that yeah, fundamental is the same. Absolutely, value. I love that quote, man. Transparent, right? But where where I do believe it's changed is the tactics and the technology. Yeah. Because t- take, for instance, what we used to talk about. Remember when, Jay, you were saying I was the gatekeeper of information. We used to be the gatekeeper of information. That information was stuff like, what are the product specs? How much does this cost? Will you finance me? And that information used to be held behind lock and key, but now it flows like water. Yeah. So... So how are we executing those same fundamentals in the new world? I really think that it comes down to tactical switches like um, it's not, uh, as an example, prospect knowledge beats product knowledge. And Will, I think you were kind of touching on that a little bit when you're talking about the number one reason people aren't getting back to their emails and leads. You're right. It's that lack of personalization. They think it's a robot reaching out to them. Yeah. Right. So the car doesn't matter. Simply the reason for that is because nine times out of 10, it is a robot. Like, I mean, come on, come on, right. guys. Let's let's call it is what it is. All right, it, all right. We we know yeah. for a fact that you know I would say over seventy percent of dealerships out there are are using copy and paste templates. Yeah, like we, we are what, not being human in our communication efforts. And, and, and Jason, what's the what's the point, right? Like, hey, I I, I work for an ILM uh, ILM tool that gives custom like that gives templated responses. If you are using those templated responses. Don't pay us money. Don't pay a CRM money. There's no point in using it. There's no point in using it, guys. Because if you do an auto response out to one of Dan's great leads, guess what? You know what? You've you've pissed away that marketing money, right? You've literally pissed it away because you hit respond with the great templates that either the company well, I, I that think you this is a good topic. does, and, and I think we should we, we should take you guys a second here. We should take a second here and identify the difference between a template and standardized communication efforts because there's a huge difference. And I think people get the two of them confused, for, right? Like for sure. it is, it is totally cool. And actually I think expected that we standardize our communication efforts, but I don't believe in yep. templating our communication efforts. All right, let's, let, let's, let's make this super clear for everybody out there that's listening between the two differences of this. Um, Dan, why don't you go ahead and take this one? All right the difference between templating your communication efforts versus standardizing communication efforts. Yeah. So what, I mean, one of the things that, you know, I talked about just scaling digital sales teams. If there's one thing I can tell you about scaling your sales growth, you got to have a defined sales process so that 10 salespeople are selling one way, not 10 salespeople selling 10 different ways. And so when we're talking about, you know, a template versus something like a dynamic template or something like that, I think the really important part is it's just like cold calling where you hear some people say cold calling is dead. No, cold calling is dead for people that suck at cold calling. Um, Nobody gets back to email templates. No, nobody gets back to email templates when you've got them set up improperly and they're not customized for dynamic content like Will was saying. 
Bingo. So a really, really, really good template. Hey, customer first name, you weren't expecting my call, but you had just come online and taken insert customer action here. I was actually reaching out because I have key benefit that relates to the action you took there. I know you weren't expecting my call, but at this point, all I'm hoping for is a quick conversation. Would you mind if we jump on the phone? Question mark, best damn. But you know what? Yeah. That's not like a human. And I'm going to tell you exactly. guys right now. I mean, I, I look, 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 guys, see, you know, I know you guys are, um, I, I'm in the dealership, right? I'm, I'm in the dealership. I'm consulting with the dealership. I'm looking over their stuff. And, you know, I, I, I hope that they're responding to the leads that your company produces, Dan, in that way. Um, and Will, I hope they use your tool in that way where they actually customize the, the communications. But I'm telling you guys right now, the bottom line is they don't. All right, over 70% of the dealerships out there have some bullshit template community, you know, response. It doesn't feel like a human in any way. Whoever wrote it out literally just went, I am a robot in the conversation of it. Might as well, right? You know, so it's like, like Dan, that was perfect. You know, I think that could have been easily used as a template uh, um uh, a template for communication, but that sounded like a person. I'm telling you right now, most of the stuff I see out there does not sound like a person. That's right. Well, one of the fundamentals you got to be adopting in all your email communication templates, I don't care who you are, there's going to be some dealers out there that are like, no, I want to sound more professional than that. I would posit that no, no. you want responses. You yeah. don't want to sound professional. You want responses. You want people buying cars. And yeah. so just think of your emails as if it's uh, hi, my name's Dan. I'd like to offer you a free, no obligation trade-in appraisal. I'm so proud of our showroom. Like, just be a person. Dan, can you send me it. up? That sounded so awesome. And yeah, right. I want, I want, I want to deal with you right now. Nobody's and, and getting back amazing. to that. To, to Dan's, to Dan's point, a couple of really good points. Dan is that to that point that you just said is that you know our uh, our research and looking at you know we've processed 14 million leads that people actually respond more when you're at like a you know a sixth grade writing level than yep. something from the university because that's what people resonate with and it gets across the message and it's about asking questions right uh think about think about your kids how many questions do they ask right and it's about doing that in your email responses building that in and it's about answering you know it's about asking questions but it's about answering their question as well and talking to them like human because that's what resonates with them you know hitting hitting send on a on an auto response it sounds like you're oh i'm from harvard and uh you know uh i know uh, a lot about mahogany and fine wines and guess what that's you even will yeah right um <laughs> even in <laughs> even in the luxury world that doesn't that doesn't move metal you know what i mean so, it's about it's about communicating and and relaying relaying and connecting with those people because it's about establishing that rapport, right? Um, and Dan, definitely um, that uh, template that you uh, you talked out, I am gonna steal that. Well, it, it's almost like <laughs> it, I've it tried happened. to get a lot of people on the phone via yeah. over the it's past fifteen years. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> hey guys, um, I, I got another question for you, and it, um, I want to. I'm looking at what I call value deposits, okay? And and I'm thinking at every opportunity that we have to communicate with our customer, and, and especially right now, like literally right now, and then, you know, the, the two weeks or a month from now or whatever the hell when normal, some level normal comes back, right, is I think every point of conversation has to have a value deposit, and I, I agree, look, to, to increase your response rates, asking questions is incredibly important. 
But I, I, I see this as an opportunity in our communications is not just to ask a question so that we have higher response rates, but also to bring value deposits, you know, to the people we're talking to. And I would like to get you kind of your, your guys' thoughts on what those value deposits should be in our communication efforts. Dan, I'm going to start with you on this one. Yeah. So I, I love that you're using the term value deposits because anyone in sales a lot of the time thinks in terms of an emotional bank account. You know, we got to we got to deposit value before we can extract purchase price. And so I, I really just think that that aligns perfectly with what we already know. You know, me and Will were talking about earlier. The cheese hasn't moved in terms of what the sale is. The cheese has just moved in terms of how we make it. So we can't ask the customer into the showroom right now to appraise their trade. You know what we can do? Solve their uncertainty and tell them a range that it's going to be worth as long as that's in a lot ready condition. And then we can make a value deposit on something like credit. Will you approve me? Yes or no? Based on my background, not just 100% approval rate where I know I'm going to pay for it on the, um, uh, on the int interest, right? Um, give them the value deposit of helping them actually figure out their monthly budget. I can't tell you the amount of positive feedback that we receive from dealers that say things like, yeah, no, we, we never even thought about helping the customer through their insurance budgeting until we started to get all this insurance stuff back. But then we just, it was like our deals were better greased. We started to have more, more business done very, um, you know, very fluidly. And uh, also when it comes to the, the right there at the very end, we got to have an interactive, nice way to book a test drive, you know, because otherwise, if we don't create these mechanisms to online have our salespeople creating those value deposits, I, I would I would compare that to you guys going fishing, you dealers going fishing and just hanging a net out the side of the boat and hoping the fish is going to jump in. Unless we're creating, it's like a, the best analogy I have ever this, heard. That's, that's literally what that we're ain't doing. Now fishing work. I promise you that. <laughs> like no, but seriously though, if, if we're if we're communicating right now to uh, to prospects, you know, um, and, and we're not bringing the value, it's it's literally just like sticking a hook in the water with no bait whatsoever. Like there, there's just nothing there for them to connect with. Um, Will, what are your thoughts on uh, uh, value deposits? And maybe what would you say two or three, you know, uh, examples of value deposits that, 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 that can be utilized right now? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I think my first comment is uh, I'm going to look on Amazon for uh, Dan Liska book of uh, proverbs and uh, quotes and get that shipped to my door immediately. It probably exists. <laughs> if it doesn't, I'm going to make one. <laughs> um, because uh, yeah, it's uh, absolute gold. But, um, you know, I don't think, again, I, I you know, I, I hate to kind of dumb it down and get back to basics, but just you know, making a value deposit in a conversation and asking asking questions that um, show that you care about the customer, right? Let's say that somebody is uh, submitting a lead on a, uh, let's call it a Tahoe, right? Pretty big ticket per purchase, right? Um, so instead of talking about towing capacity or uh, what's under the hood, ask the client, hey, why do, why do you need all that space? You know, why, why do you actually need that, those extra seats? And then that kind of, you know, that shows that that puts your deposit into that person that you're interested in. And then maybe that person comes back with, you know what? Um, I just 
you know what? I just, uh, I just, I just added to the uh, the forward line. I had my fourth kid, and I need that. You know, I need that extra space. Uh, it's not just uh, me and the wife and three kids now. I got a, another one coming. Or, hey, you know what? I just um, just moved to this country, and uh, yeah, I'm going to be helping uh, move my family around quite a bit. Um, so I think asking questions about that, showing that you care, is really you know um, you're making that. Uh, value deposit not only not only for yourself as a salesperson to uh, in the conversation but also for the for the customer showing that you care right and and getting that back so I think that again we go back to these fundamentals and I and I am constantly kind of just circling back on Dale Carnegie's how to make friends and influence people it's like guys these are the fundamentals that we need to be doing and we're not and really Carnegie um it's about fundamentally being a good person, right? And showing that you care. So um, those are some of the things that, that I can see is just genuinely caring. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. Again, I'm a big, I'm a big data guy and it's, I've been to training, I've been to training sessions where, Hey, X dealership within the OEM isn't doing so well because guess what they're doing? They are having a super quick response time uh, because they're just hitting as soon as the lead comes in, they're getting it on their phone and they're going, okay, it's a trade appraisal. I am going to hit yes on the trade appraisal uh, template and send it out. And they're like, yeah, this tool sucks. We're not getting any responses back from the customers. We were better off before when we were doing it out of our Outlook client. And, you know, every single one was different and looked completely ununiformed. And, you know, it was sent from my iPhone. And, hey, once in a while, uh, I might have sent out a picture that came with me, came for me on the weekend. Um, but, hey, I was getting a higher response. Yeah, you're getting a higher response because you're forced to actually respond to that customer. Right. So I've sat in trainings where they're like, yeah, this tool, meh, I don't really get it. Uh, we're paying more money for it. We're not really getting the value out of it. And you start to, you start to peel back the, the layers of the onion and you go, well, <laughs> I can tell because we've got algorithms that run and really smart AI that does a bunch of stuff that I can't really explain, but, um, we can tell that you're just hitting that auto response, right? And you start talking to the salesperson and say, Hey guys, like get it. Uh, we're just, we're all trying to make a living here. We're trying to sell more cars. We're trying to connect with our customers. Guys, what about if you did this, right? Like, you think about this again, I go back to that seven seater analogy. What if you went at it and asked them why that's important to them? Uh, you know, why, uh, why, why they need that extra space um, and start asking those questions and, and start having an actual conversation. And it's, you know, it doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes you see those light bulbs go off in those training sessions when you're sitting with 20, 30. No, no, I, I'm totally with you on this. I actually remember, um, during the recession, when we came back from the recession, it was like this old school kickback to the basics, like Dude, get back to the basics. Let's uh, do it. To, to your point, what you said, Will, like show the customer that you give a shit, right? Like show them you care. That's what it's it comes down to. In right? fact, actually, that's a perfect lead way into my next question for you guys both, because I think a lot of dealerships out there are thinking about, you know, what do I communicate? How do I communicate? What should the dealership, sh what should the dealership be communicating right now to show yeah. that they care yeah. about not only new customers, but existing customers as well, as well. Um, Dan, I'm going to give this one up to you first and then I'll, I'll bounce over to you. Will. for sure. Empathy, empathy, and yeah. then a little bit more empathy would probably be uh, where I'm talking about. No, seriously, there, there's so many different ways to 
to talk about empathy. I mean, first and foremost, it starts in the trenches. It starts on the front line. So when we're having conversations with our salespeople, we need to understand that all salespeople right now are facing incredible amount of pressure when it comes to both, you know, financial and all that stuff. And so the number one thing that dealers and GMs and sales managers need to be doing as a leader, it is your job to release pressure, not create fear, release that pressure, make sure they know, you know what, I understand times are tough. We're going to huddle together like penguins through the Antarctic winter, and we're still going to be hanging out here, but don't you lose a customer over losing an appointment next month, you know, stuff like that. And then it goes the level up into the management office, the F&I office. What can we do with our financial terms to just show on paper that we're being a little bit more empathetic than we were yesterday? You know, we, we obviously can't give ourselves away. Everyone's understanding it's a tough time for everyone, but it starts with empathy and then transparency. And I think that that is really what's going to allow dealers to still conduct business without completely giving away their farm. You know, and, and we've started to do that with a lot of our clients as well. And I just think that it's not just the auto industry. You look at, say, uh, the Ontario renters and landlords thing. Like if you're a, if you're a landlord right now, you got to be calling your renters, showing empathy and being like, hey, what can you pay? Because we talked about the, uh, the, the hold them, fold them and bet. The ones who are holding and folding the bet for landlords, they're just they're just not going to have the rent paid. But by riding out and dealing with that challenge head on with transparency and empathy and inviting that, man, are, are those people going to be in a lot better position? And the people that have resisted adapting to change are probably going to be, you know, grumbling uh, the way things were. And then we'll say all oh, the times they are changing and make some dinosaur comments. No, no Dan, I'm, I'm with you on that, man. I, th I think this is a time that we actually get to show that we're humans. Yeah, we're not just a business, and we are a business. And and I don't think we should, I don't think we should apologize for being a business right now. Uh, that thing I I, I want to make perfectly clear. Like we are a business. We employ many people. All right. We 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 are here still trying to make a living. All right. right. But in our communication efforts, we have an opportunity to show that we are not just a business, but we're human. And and empathy will be the, the key to doing so. Will, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think Dan hit it on the head with uh, empathy. You've got to show that you care, right? Um, and if you're not, um, I don't know. I uh, I think that the only other thing to add to what Dan was saying in terms of empathy is safety, right? In these times of uncertainty, what are we doing to make sure that you're safe? Yeah, that's uh, a good one. Whether whether that is setting up a you know a, a an appointment. These are the steps that my dealership are taking to ensure your safety, your family's safety. If it comes to service, uh, these are the things that we're doing in terms of sanitization and yeah. making sure that your vehicle is ready and safe. These are the precautions that we've taken as a dealership uh, to ensure that you guys are safe. And I think that, you know, really focusing on those two things, empathy and the <laughs> safety portion, um, that, hey, the deals might not be uh, abundant during this time. Um, but you can wholeheartedly know that um, the deals that are done and the connections that you've made during this time with those customers will be genuinely felt, right? Because every single one of us is getting back to, again, being a human, right? And connecting with people and understanding what their needs are. And we're all feeling it. Every single person is feeling this current crisis. And it brings us all back down to the same level to be able to relate to each other, which you know, um, given what's going on, uh, hey, 
I'll, I'll take that, you know, that we're connecting on that human level. Like think about the amount of video, video calls and things like that, that you guys have done and how many times you guys have picked up the call, picked up the phone and actually had a conversation, right? Like it's fundamentally changing how we're communicating. So um, to kind of sum it up, Dan hit it right, right on the head with empathy. But I think the second thing there is, is safety and uh, ensuring that your, your customers are safe, whether that's on the service side or if you do have the opportunity, not all provinces are open for even for appointments, right? So um, ensuring that steps are taken to ensure the safety of, of those customers. And I think it'll go a long way. Yeah. And, and you know what, just to circle back for that on that for a second, it, it's exactly like you said about Dale Carnegie, you know, let's not forget about the basics that every single totally. decision made by a human is emotional. Yep. And so if we help these people through the tough time, believe me, they ain't going to forget it. And if you teach someone how to box, they're going to buy gloves from you when you go to step in the ring, they're not looking totally. for the cheapest gloves. They're looking to buy gloves from their coach. Yeah. And I think we all agree that that is the opportunity there uh, right now at this given moment. I mean, I, I hate to say that there that there is an opportunity. I'm not trying to be, you know, um, uh, emotionally disconnected here, but but there is there is an opportunity here as far as um, how we mold or even transition the perception of customers have of our business. Like I, I don't think we need to be putting our heads in the sand and just going totally dark. I think there's an opportunity here where we actually can mold that perception. Um, guys, I know that's getting towards the end of our time and I want to take this moment and thank you guys so much for jamming with me today. This has been an absolute blast. Uh, but before we do so, I do want to finish with your guys' just kind of final thoughts. I know we kind of molded over a lot of things today. So uh, Dan, I'm going to give you kind of, uh, go ahead, your final thoughts. And then if you can finish your final thoughts with just kind of the best way to connect with you and your company so that people have that information as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, just, just to sum it up, you know, people are saying unprecedented times. It's not really unprecedented. You know, we had the old polio thing before. We've had recessions before. So are you going to fold? Are you going to hold? Or are you going to bet? Are you going to bet big? A lot of the winning dealers, they're betting big right now. Um, when it comes to how you're dealing with clients, you got to use that empathy. Make sure that you're updating your sales process. It's got to be a defined sales process to be digital and have that empathy reflected in your messaging. If you're looking for any sort of assistance on that whatsoever, definitely look my company up. We, we've absolutely taken the lead when it comes to the empathetic approach. We're, we're actually offering, uh, well, we started offering it to our current clients. Uh, literally, we're waiving their entire software fee for six months. Totally free. Totally free, buddy. That's bold, and, man. That's very cool. Yeah, we started to get so much positive feedback from the current clients on that. We started to decide, all right, we're going to open this up to the entire industry at large, new clients as well. So literally, if you're an auto dealer listening to this right now, www.autoverify.com, just reach out, ask about the dealer support program, get all this good stuff for free for six months. Dude, that's absolutely awesome. Huge. Hey, Will, you're up. Uh, final thoughts and just uh, closing remarks and best sure. way to connect with you. For sure. Well, it's been a pleasure, guys. Um, but first and foremost, I think that these things that we are now focusing on is what we should be doing um, in good times and in bad, right? Uh, we should be treating those digital customers as if they're coming into your showroom. You invest so much money into your showroom um, and the process in which you you greet your customers and that sales process, as well as even like staging your dealership. Think about that. We should be doing the same things online. Um, 
And this is just going to expedite that whole entire process. Uh, those that don't, um, you know, you're, you're great people, but could be a harsh new reality for you. And those that are, and I, you know, allude to um, just groups that I deal with that are doing, that are doing a lot of these things that we're talking about and they're doing it well. It, they are concerned. They're concerned about their people. Um, they're concerned about keep people keep keeping people employed, but are they concerned about their digital process? No, because they've been doing this for five years. And, you know, I think that, you know, I look at the three of us and if any dealer or dealer group wanted to say, Hey, Jason, Dan, Will, man, this whole thing, this whole digital thing is just, I don't know, man. I don't know about it. I'm just so confused. Everybody's throwing a bunch of stuff at me. I went down to NADA and oh my God, I think I signed up for a bunch of crazy stuff in Vegas. I think that it's having open and candid conversations with people in the industry that you can trust and saying, what the hell should I actually be doing and what's important? And I think that being, having trusted partners um, is really important in that and being able to have real conversations and talk them through this, this situation and help set them up for, Hey, we're going to, we're going to get through this crisis, but we're also going to set you up for future success. It doesn't have to be hard. Um, and I think that um, this is the time to show your real value and show true partnership. And that's by being open, honest, and, and uh, transparent with, uh, with the information that you're sharing. Um, and I really feel that, Hey guys and girls, um, we're going to get through this and we're going to come out the other side stronger and smarter and faster um, than what we ever were before. And during that time, guess what? We've also been able to use this um, downtime. I don't even, I don't think that's, that's the proper word because um, I don't know about you guys, but it's been busier than ever in the last yeah. uh, two weeks than it ever has been before. Like people say, Oh man, you're in digital. Like it must be slowed down. I'm like, uh, you have no idea what like an exec at a dealer group or, um, at an OEM sitting at home, working from home, how effective they are in communicating. Um, but I think that those, those relationships and those communications that we have during this time will be priceless. And I, and I really feel that, you know, that human element, we're starting to reconnect and, you know, COVID-19 has allowed us to reconnect as humans and understand and bring that human element back um, to our communications and our business and our lives. Um, that's not to downplay um, the tragic things that are happening out there at all. But um, I think that we're connecting more as, more as people, which is, uh, which is good. Um, in terms of connecting with me again, I am here. I literally, if I can, if I can hash out a, you know, 20 minutes to get on a call with any dealer in this country, uh, and help them through this. Um, if you guys just have questions or want to bounce ideas or, Hey, um, uh, I don't know what to do. I'm here. Um, you can connect with me on uh, Twitter. It's Harris time on LinkedIn, uh, will Harris digital automotive. Um, you know, you can just punch in will Harris. It's kind of a common name though. Um, but, uh, you'll, you'll see me, uh, you'll see me about 50 pounds ago on my profile picture, um, and connect there and just, and just reach out guys. Like let's have conversations. Um, let's help each other out. I mean, um, what, uh, what Dan's company is doing is, is phenomenal rapid. We are, we are stepping to it, um, as well. We are, uh, for, from, from April 1st to June 30th, uh, we're discounting all bills, uh, for, for dealers, for all of our products. Um, and you know, we, we're feeling it too. 
we're feeling it here too. Um, on our side, I don't know if Dan's the same way, but Hey, we've had to say, we've had to say goodbye to good people as well. So we're feeling it as a business. We're all in this together and we're going to make it through. And, uh, Hey, I look forward to, uh, to being able to do this, um, in person on the other side, uh, when we come out of this, cause we will come out of it. Also. No, man. Hey, that's great. And uh, I think everyone out there listening or watching right now should take uh, Willa and Dan up on their offers. I know both these guys are absolutely always willing to jump on a call and uh, chat it out. And e- even if you're not using their services, they are Doesn't more, matter. Than, more than happy to assist in anything that they can do. Hey, guys, again, thank you so much for your time. This, this was a lot of fun. My pleasure, Jared. Thanks for having us. You guys awesome, have a good guys. one. You too.